the last couple of days I've been working on um, just going, you know, right back through this series. I started with Noah, and I'm I'm just kind of expanding. I'm I'm creating a commentary over each and each individual part of this huge by God series. I'm going through Noah. I'm just like mind blown how one little verse can take you so deep, especially when you look at the context, the culture, when you look at w- what's happening around the entire situation. Like it's just mind blowing. And so, I'm going to be doing that with Noah and Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Dinah, all these individuals that we're talking about. I'm going to go deeper. That's going to be the deeper Bible study series. And that's going to be for uh, episode season two. All those episodes for season two. I hope you join me. I hope you follow me. It's going to be interesting. Emelich, he's he's a king. He's the king of what the Bible calls, I guess, like Gurar, king, king of Gurar. Um, he's kind of like the ruler of the the enemies of Israel, which are the Palestines or the Philistines, not the Palestines. The Philistines become the ancestors of the Palestinians. The Palestinians are who we see in the Middle East today fighting with the Jews. So you got the everlasting descendant tree coming right back down. And so you got back in Abraham's day the Philistines. But there's this king in Abraham's time. His name is Ab, Abim Lich, Abilich, I can't say his name. Just like I can't say like half these names in the Bible. Even some of these cities are insane. Like, they just have some weird names. Makes you wonder if they even translated the names correctly when they translated them over to the English text from the Hebrew. But this king and Abraham, their descendants become enemies. But here's the interesting part. This king and Abraham made a peace treaty. Yeah, they made a peace treaty with each other. It's in Genesis 21. Before we get to that peace treaty, I want to point out something else in Genesis um, 20. If you have a Bible, just open up to Genesis 20. And uh, I, I guess we can start like verse 8. Completely unappeared. Okay, so in verse 8 it says, So Amalek rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. What things? The things that are, you know, being talked about in verse 1 through 7. But he tells them all these things, and the men were very much afraid. Then Amalek called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And have you sinned against you, that you have brought this on me and my kingdom? A great sin. 
you have done this to these things to me ought to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did these things? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. So here we go again. Abraham is like allowing his wife to be, you know, misused. And God comes to this king is like, hey, that's another man's wife. What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't get it. Like these people in the Old Testament, like the way that they treat their women, their own wives, it, it blows my mind. Like there was one time during an Uber trip, I, I'm an Uber driver, so one day I was picking up this lady and uh, she waved at me, I waved it back at her, and some guy comes up behind her and just grabs her by the arms and starts dragging her to his car. And I was just like, I was just shocked. I'm, I live in the United States. I live in Texas. And I'm just like thinking to myself, am I seeing what I'm seeing? This guy is just going to kidnap this woman? And so I have a gun I keep in my car. So I'm thinking about, do I get my gun and, you know, put it on my waist? Or do I just get out without my gun? And I thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to get out with my, without my gun. So I get out. And as I got out, the guy was throwing this girl into his car. And I holler out, hey, what are you doing? And this guy turns around, looks back at me and says, what? She's my wife. I'm telling you, man, like my blood was boiling. Like, you don't do that. You don't do that to women. You don't do that to no one. It's wrong. Especially to your own wife. And Abraham, he seems to have a history of it. Like, Abraham's like, I got away with it one time. I got away with it again. I'm going to get away with it again. But, I mean, God sees everything. God sees everything. Think about this. God keeps on going to who? The Pharaoh. To who? The king. Hey, that's another man's wife. What are you doing? That's another man's wife. God sees everything. Despite the way that men treat women, God sees everything. And God does not take delight in that kind of treatment of women. And I want to make that clear, man. Like, God does not delight in that kind of treatment so right here it says in verse 11 Abraham said I did it because I thought there was no fear of God at all in this place then they will kill me because she is my wife because he thought because he thought that these people don't fear God you know we all think that someone else might not honor God we all think that we're the that we're like the special crop in the field we all think that we're like the the golden 
the golden egg that came out of the chicken's butt. You know, like we all think that we're special. Guess what? We're all human. We're all broken people. We're all like in need of a savior. Abraham messed up right here because he thought he assumed. He thought he was afraid. He was afraid of it, that they're gonna kill him. He was willing to put his own wife in danger because he was afraid of his own life. Now, because of what um, this king did, because of his respect and honor towards God, apparently, like he honored God by going and confronting Abraham about what he did. So the fact is, like, you got this guy, Abraham, patriarch of the faith, and then you got this king, this pagan king that's worshiping other gods. And between the two, you would think that it would be Abelish, the king of the Philistines, who's really the patriarch of the faith. But... The patriarch right here is Abraham. And I, I wonder if that's because God wants us to understand that no matter how evil, no matter how wrong, no matter how much sin or how much we run from him, that we can find forgiveness and salvation and hope in him. That God is a God who forgives and loves us and he has this unconditioning loving kindness towards us so I think this you know God's not looking for the the perfect the best of the best because right here it just shows like you know honestly a worthless scumbag of a person that Abraham is and he's the father of the faith why is that Maybe because we are all worthless scumbags. Every one of us. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm just being straight up honest. We're all sinners. We all deserve to be condemned and go hell. But because of God, His goodness, His grace, His love, we can find hope and forgiveness. We see this treaty take place. In chapter 21, verses 22 through, you know, the end of the chapter. Let me uh, make sure I get that. Yeah, it's the end of the chapter, 22 to 34. And it talks about how Abraham and this king, they make a covenant at Beersheba. You know, uh, in 31 it says, Therefore that place was called Bathsheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Bathsheba. Then Abraham and Phico, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a Tamarkish tree in Bathsheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So, 
we see this like covenant get made between Abraham and pretty much the ruler of the Philistines. It's kind of interesting. Um, but what can we learn from it? What can we learn from this? Well, we can learn first that God is a God that forgives us despite our downfall. God, um, you know, he, he's, he can use non-believers, unbelievers to fulfill his plan. And we also see that God is not like exclusive. I mean, like, he's not saying, I'm only interested in this one group of people. God is interested in all groups of people. Remember, Abraham is going to be the one that God makes into a, what, great nation? A blessing to who? The entire world? Makes Abraham to what? An assembly of nations? A blessing to who? The entire world? Then right here, before God even starts with Abraham, he does what? He goes to the king of who? And talks to him about what? Like, you see God include other nations constantly. He's not trying to just be secretive and play ninja with us. So, if you, um, if that's something that you just need to hear today, that God is not, He's not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to lie to you. He's absolutely not against women having rights. He's absolutely not. Men in the Bible are absolutely idiots. And this is just an example. But there's other men in the Bible that absolutely honor God, absolutely honor the marriage uh, relationship commitment, the covenant marriage. I mean, this king honors marriage covenants. Because he goes to Abraham, he's like, how come you didn't tell me that she's your wife? Because I'm afraid that you're going to kill me. So... I want that to just like, just right now, you know, that God is loving and kind and just. God is for you and not against you. But most of all, that God is, you know, God is, um, is for women not being abused. God doesn't want that. We see it time and time again. God is against it. And I want to push it so much because there's a false theology in the church that guys are trying to convince women that they need to sit down and shut up and listen to their husband. I think honestly, husbands need to sit down and shut up and listen to their wives. 
Because every now and then, God can and will use an Esther for such a time as this, like he did. In that time during Esther's time on earth. So, with that being said, God bless you. I hope you have a great week of worship. Um, you know, just want to encourage you, read Genesis 20 and 21. And if you find something interesting, go ahead and write it down. And you can also, like, leave a comment on this video. And uh, with that being said, have a good one.